Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. We are grateful to have Kelly Webster here today, and she's going to be, if you don't have your scriptures or scriptures on your phone close, you might want to grab those. Kelly's going to be sharing with us lessons that she's learned on parenting from Lehi's dream. So I am just so thrilled to to hear Kelly stay by the tree as one of our <laughs> mottos. And as far as this is where we stick when we stick with the savior. And I just am so thrilled to hear, hear her angles and some things that she's learned. Kelly's a certified mentor for life-changing services, and she's also an author. So Kelly, if, as we get started today, we're going to just, as we get started today, I'd love to hear just a, a couple minutes nutshell introduction if you can just share just a little bit about you or your family sometimes we get started and some people here are like who is Kelly I want to know a tiny bit about her <laughs> it just helps it just helps all of us kind of be on the same page and then so if you wouldn't mind Kelly I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it over to you thank you so much first of all can can you hear me because sometimes I have a problem when I'm on my computer all right good good that that is always helpful if you can hear. I am a daughter of really awesome parents. I am a sister of really awesome sisters. I have seven. There's seven girls in our family, six who were born to my parents and one who kind of joined through the Lamanite um, placement program who, even though she was only with us for a couple of years with that, has been our sister in love ever since. We, we consider her a sister. I am married to a man for 42 years who has been such a great source of help to me in my growth and most especially in the last 12 and a half years since he had a massive stroke and I've had to learn all those lessons that I I didn't really want to have to learn the hard way so yeah I have three children they're all adults and I have five grandchildren who are the love of my life and you did ask me why I put the crusher on there and I will tell you because I think it was about 10 years ago when I first took my first Eternal Warriors class with Karen. I It was an in-person class actually in Karen's home. And one of the things, of course, that we learned was how to battle better. <laughs> that we needed to use our awesome bodies 
to to fight that chemical spill. And so when I learned that, one of the battles I had was exercising. I was kind of in a depression. And so I didn't want to clean my house and I didn't want to exercise and I was having a battle. And I remembered the things that I'd been taught in my eternal warriors class. And I said, oh no, not today, not today, Satan. Today, I'm the crusher. And I got up and I exercised while I cleaned my house. And it took me an hour and a half. And my house was about a 3,000 square foot house. It took me an hour and a half to get my whole house top to bottom clean while I was, you know, letting Satan know he was not the crusher. He was the bruiser, but I am the crusher. And so I have taken on that identity identity ever since. I am the crusher. You are not ever going to win. <laughs> so I, that's one of the things that I always like to remind myself and remind others that, yeah, he can bruise us, but he is not the crusher. We're the crusher. So that's why I have that. All right, well, first of all, I just wanna say hi. I see a lot of people's names here that I know. Special shout out to my older sister who joined us, who's supporting me today. That, that made me happy when I saw her name pop up. I have been asked many times by people who know me and know how I do my power goals that I spend a lot of time in the scriptures. And so people have asked me, well, how does, how does that look like? What do you do? And so that's what I'm going to kind of share with you today. And I'm hoping that you will be able to see how the Lord's taught me and maybe have some takeaways for yourself. I really think it's so important that we share what the Spirit teaches each of us because we can piggyback on those things. The Lord can teach us a line upon line, and then he can piggyback the things specific to you when we're open to share what we've learned. So we're going to start in 1 Nephi 8. Well, we're going to stay in 1 Nephi 8, but that's where we're at. So we're going to start. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And... We're going to start here. So this is what we're talking about today, what I learned about parenting from Levi's dream. So the way that I study my scriptures, and I study them lots of different ways. It just depends on what I need um, out of them that day. But I'd like to start with why am I going to the scriptures today? What is it that I'm wanting to learn about? What is troubling me that I need help with. So I come to the scriptures with a question and looking for that specific answer to that question. So you'll notice that I'm not going to share the whole book and the whole dream isn't going to be in here. I only added the things that the Lord through the spirit spoke to me about my question about how can I be a better parent and grandparent? I have five grandkids who are coming up in a world that is very scary. And what's my role and how, how can I be a better grandparent? And so that is how I approached this today. Well, I approached this. I, I, I first went through this about six months ago, but I'm sharing it today. Anyway, so... What I want for you as going through this is what are you learning about parenting from Lehi's dream? So please take notes, listen to what you hear, notice about what you're seeing in the scriptures. The, the brethren who wrote these scriptures, it was not an easy task. They don't have little microphones on their phones that they can push and just talk into because that's how I, that's how I type. I don't even know how to type. So I, I use the voice control thing to help me. They really had to think and ponder and pray about what was the most important thing that they could put in the scriptures. So if they put so much thought into it, I'm trying to look and see 
what is it that they wanted me to notice and see in the scriptures? So as we go through this, make notes about what you're noticing, not just what I'm noticing, but what you're noticing and what the Spirit's teaching you, because your family is unique and your family has different needs than my family does. And so I'm sharing with you what I learned for my family, but I'm hoping that all of you will find things specific out of this process that will be good for your family. So I am going to just take the opportunity to read so that we can stay on time. And so hopefully everyone has their scriptures so that if it's too small on your phone to see, see what my mind says, <laughs> you'll be able to read along. So this is 1 Nephi 8 verse 1. And it came to pass that we had gathered together all manner of seeds of every kind, both of grain of every kind and also of seeds a fruit of every kind. And it came to pass that while my father tarried in the wilderness, he spake unto us, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream, or in other words, I have seen a vision. So one of the observations that I had, and again, this is my observation that I thought of, Lehi talked to his children in a natural and authentic setting. I, this, this wasn't a planned lecture. Whoops. <laughs> this to me, I, I kind of, I used to have a, a pretty big backyard and we'd go out and weed and I'd hear a lot of moaning and complaining and I would take opportunity <laughs> to teach my kids while we were weeding out there in our garden, you know, and, and that's kind of what I envisioned as I was going through the scriptures. But for my family, the spirits, but very strong to me that don't, call them in and say, I'm going to teach you something <laughs> that my children respond better to a natural and authentic setting. So these are the questions that I like to ask after I'm, after I notice things, I listen for what the spirit's trying to tell me I might need to look at more closely. So these are the questions that I had about that. What kind of setting am I using to teach? Is it effective? What can I do differently to make it more authentic and effective? And like I said, I've, I've learned with my children that it does have to be very spontaneous. It can't be a, we're having a family council. They did not respond to that ever, but that does not mean that's not the way the Lord wants you to handle your family. So verse three, and behold, because of the thing which I have seen, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and also of Sam, for I have reason to suppose that they and also many of their seed will be saved. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you. For behold, methought I saw in my wilderness, a, in my dream, a dark and dreary wilderness. Okay, so one of the things I did observe was that Lehi took the time to explain in detail why he was so worried. So he didn't just say, I'm worried about you. <laughs> he, he took them aside, taught the whole family. This is what I saw, and this is why I'm worried. So how can I approach my worry in a detailed but non-judgmental way with my own children? That's one of the things that I always worry about, that they're going to put up a wall. So what what's the spirit going to teach me about that how can i approach my kids in a way that's non-judgmental authentic and that they're not going to put up a wall so that's one of the things that that i was looking at when i read this scripture but i also saw something else so i have this and it's red on my screen i don't know if it's red on your screen but it was like big red flag Lehi rejoiced in Nephi and Sam. He told Laman and Lemuel they caused him to worry. So my question was there, oh, did that comparison contribute to some of the discord between the brothers? Am I falling into the same trap? I'm going to show you a picture. So this is my family. 
when I was young, <laughs> obviously when I was young. And you can see that I'm sandwiched between, well, you don't know who I am. I'm going to show, show you who I am. That's who I am. You can see I'm, I'm doing my, I'm the crusher pose right there. See, I've been doing it for a long time. I just didn't know why. This is me in the family picture. Like, I, I mean, I didn't realize that I, but all of my kid pictures, I'm doing that pose. I am in my power pose, crusher mode. I came down that way. <laughs> I didn't, didn't realize until I started looking for a family picture to show you guys. Anyway, I was sandwiched between these, these wonderful sisters that I have. And again, all of us, all of us make mistakes as parents, but one of the mistakes that happened in our family was there was a lot of comparison going on. And I was compared a lot to my older sisters. And one of them was rebellious a little. That was this one, the oldest. And one of them was very obedient and wanted to do everything the way mom had wanted her to do it. And so I had a real struggle, a real struggle growing up being compared to my sisters. I wasn't as rebellious as my oldest sister. I wasn't getting into the kind of trouble that she was getting into. And yet I was being compared to the, the rebellious one. <laughs> But I also wasn't as obedient <laughs> and wanting to please as my other sister. And so I really, really struggled for a long time. It took me years to get to the point where I could accept that I didn't have to be them or like them and that my mom and dad were just trying to help me and not work my personality and who I was by comparison. So anyway, that was something that I, I wanted to point out that even Lehi, I wasn't the perfect parent. And, and I'm pretty sure that Jacob Israel, that when he was touting Joseph's talents and had no idea the <laughs> animosity he was putting between the brothers. So just something that I wanted to point out. Okay, and it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe, and he came and stood before me, and it came to pass that he spake unto me and bade me follow him, and it came to pass that I followed him. I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. So one of the things that I observed about those scriptures was in Lehi's dream, a man dressed in a white robe and white robe in the scriptures is very symbolic of a heavenly visitor and also Jesus Christ. I wasn't able to find anything in my study that was from the brethren to say that this was Jesus himself. There was lots of people who conjectured that this was the savior, but it doesn't matter if it was the Savior, whether my own voice or by the voice of my servants, it's the same, right? So I didn't let that be a hang up to me. But what I did observe was that the Savior invites us to follow him. And when we followed him to earth life, we also found ourselves in a dark and dreary place. And that following the Savior does not exclude us from being in a dark and dreary waste. It is part of the plan. And so one of the things that I learned through the Spirit was how can remembering this part of the plan help me? So I, I need to understand how knowing that it's going to be a dark and dreary place, how is that going to help me teach my children? And how is that going to help them when they understand that this is part of the plan. So I need to come up with a way that I can share the plan of salvation, that they can understand that a big part of that plan is this dark and dreary part, and that there is an answer to escaping that dark and dreary place. So verse eight, and after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. 
So I'm really, I really was like surprised. Why did it take him, you know, many hours, what many hours I was pondering on this before he thought to pray for help to get out of that darkness. Lehi was a prophet. He knew where to turn for peace. He knew the source of light and yet it took him hours. And this is, this is what I learned. And so the thought came to me that Lehi needed to experience what life was like without the savior. And like I said before, I found it very interesting that it took him hours before he remembered to pray and call upon the Lord for help. So the questions I, I came up with in my study, in my relationship with a child who is in the center of that dark and dreary wilderness, can I try and remember times when I felt like that? So in other words, he's in a dark place and I've, I've been in dark places before. Can my taking the time and being humble enough to put myself in his place, is that going to help my interactions with him or with her? Or is this going to be something where I need to show that I know where to turn for peace? It's, it's a question that I went through. And I think for me personally, it was that my children need to know that I have struggled with the faith crisis. I have struggled with sin and the burden of sin and that I have known what it's been like to be without the Savior in my life. So that was the answers that I got from this. And then the other part that the Spirit directed me was, can I trust God and allow them space and time to also remember to pray and ask for the Lord's mercy? You know, it's really hard when our kids are struggling. We want to jump in and save them. And we talk about this a lot in Mothers Who Know. We want to jump in and save them. But this is their journey, and they have to learn by their own experience. And can we trust God and allow them the space and time to also remember to pray and ask for the Lord's mercy? And for me, it was, yeah, stay in my own lane and, and let them figure it out. They've been taught. They know where to turn. Let them figure out. Let them get to that point where, you know, Lehi took hours and hours before he remembered to turn to the Lord for help. I can, I can allow them that space. Okay, I have to move all of my little icons because I can't see my scriptures. So forgive me, I can't see. Anyway, here we go, now I can see. And it came to pass, this is verse nine, and it came to pass after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. And it came to pass that I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof. And I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I had ever tasted. Yea, and I beheld that the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew that it was desirable above all fruit. So these were my observations. So Lehi prayed for help first and then was shown the tree in the field. So the tree was in the field. It was in the wilderness. It was in the field. It was out where the filthy river was by it, the you could see the the great and spacious building, all of that. But in, in the midst of all of that, there was the tree. But he wasn't able to see the tree. He wasn't shown the tree until after he prayed for it. So I thought that was really profound. Lehi went to the tree. So he recognized this is something good. This is something that I want. And of course, we know that the tree represents the Savior. And this is really important. Lehi tasted of the fruit, um, which, as we also know, is the atonement. 
He recognized the joy it brought to his life, and he desired for his family to feel the joy of the Toma in their life. So one of the things that I remember, my son, when my first oldest son absolutely hates mashed potatoes, and when I first tried to feed him, one of my, the very first people food I tried to feed him was mashed potatoes, and he would put up faces and he would push me away and he would get all messy and I would get all messy and there was no way I was going to get that child to eat the mashed potatoes and when I was reading about Lehi and what he did at the tree I realized that's just like what we do with babies you know the way to get a baby to eat baby food is not to shove it down his throat the way to get a child to eat baby food is not always to say, here's the airplane. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows it's, you know, that's not always the best way either. But if a child sees you eating the baby food and that you like it and that you're happy when you eat it, they are much more likely to try to try it. So those of you who are who might be listening, I have a picture of someone trying to feed a baby, baby food, and she's not very happy. And then I have a man who's trying the baby food and he's not very happy. And then I also have a picture of him later trying a different kind of baby food where he has a little more pleasant look on his face. But so I, I thought my questions, here they are, a lot of questions in this group of scriptures have i gone to the tree am i am i looking for those promises that the lord has given me through his prophets and apostles and through the scriptures am i actively seeking for the tree am i seeking to to go and be with the savior do i ask seek and knock how am i applying the toma in my life how am I partaking of the am I partaking of the fruit? How is it working for me? How do my actions affect my children's view of how the atonement is helping me? This has been really prevalent in my life since my husband had his massive stroke. I I really, really have been so appreciative of the things that I've learned here. Because without those tools, life was overwhelming for me. I went two years without these tools and it was hard stuff. And, but when I started doing my power goals, keeping my calendar, doing everything I could to connect with God, I noticed a big shift in how happy I felt, even though I was in the midst of muck, you know, I'm in a mess. This is messy over here at my house, but I found that I was much more happy and my children could see that I was finding happiness and they could see that it was because of the things that I changed in my study habits that, that I was finding that peace and that strength and that ability to do what was required of me in being a caregiver for my husband. So, you know, am I finding the fruit sweet? How can I be like Lehi and find joy in the fruit, even when I am in a dreary wilderness surrounded by filthy water? Can I find joy even when I am mocked by the people I love? And this happens a lot. Thankfully, not everyone has to experience this, but there have been times when my heart was about to break because of things that people I love have said about me and about my practice that I do every morning, my daily ritual, things that I do that are so precious to me, but I still can find joy because I've tasted that fruit and it is delicious to me. So this is what President Nelson has to say. And, and again, when I'm, when I'm talking to people about how I study, I love to attach 
anything I can find from the brethren that will be a second witness to what the Spirit has just taught me. So this is one of the second witnesses that, yeah, when I partake of the fruit, when I keep close to the tree, I can find happiness. And so this is President Nelson. Saints can be happy under every circumstance. We can feel joy even while having a bad day, a bad week, or even a bad year. My dear brothers and sisters, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. Okay, verse 13. As I cast my eyes round about that perhaps I might discover my family also, I beheld a river of water and it ran along and it was near the tree of which I was partaking the fruit. So this is, this is, this was kind of hard for me to see when I was looking at this. So Lehi looks, looks to see where his family is at. So this is what the Spirit taught, taught me. Am I focused on my whole family? Do I look at each individual and where they are at? Am I so caught up in my troubled child that I miss something? That happens a lot. Sometimes I get hyper-focused on one person, one problem, and everybody else becomes chopped liver. So I got a little chastising when I went through section. This is another part that I needed a little help with by the Spirit. Lehi sees the river very near the tree. But Nephi tells us that the water which my father saw was filthiness, and so much was his mind swallowed up in other things that he beheld not the filthiness of the water. Again, I told you, <laughs> I had I have a struggle on hyper-focusing on things. You know, my situation with my husband when he first had the stroke, absolutely, I abandoned the whole rest of the family, had no thought. I had no thought for them. And for a while, my son got lost in a, my youngest, in a dark and dreary place. And and it was hard to recognize and accept that, you know, I, I could have and should have maybe, I shouldn't do a should, we shouldn't do shoulds, but I can do better now because I am more focused and in a better place. So these are the questions I'm having. Am I focused on other things that I, that I might miss the treacherous enemy that is near me? What do I need to do to be more aware of the danger to my family? How can I see now what I didn't notice was there before? So think of your own questions. The, the Spirit's going to direct you what you need to look at. <laughs> I keep playing Tetris with all these black squares. Here we go. And I looked to behold from whence it came, and I saw the head thereof a little way off. And at the head thereof, I beheld your mother Sariah and Sam and Nephi, and the, they stood as if they knew not whether they should go. And it came to pass that I beckoned unto them, and I also did say unto them with a loud voice that they should come unto me and partake of the fruit, which was desirable above all other fruit. So one of the other things I like to do when I'm studying the scriptures, because words are powerful, and my, my sister Julie, who's with us here, really taught me this, you know, that words can change your whole perspective on things when you look at words. So I started doing that when she taught me this. And so I looked at the word beckon. And this is what the, the dictionary says, to make a gesture with the hand, arm, or head to encourage someone to come nearer or follow. And the next one, attract the attention of or summon someone by making a gesture with the hand, arm, or head. So this was the questions when I did that, that I came up with. Which way do I beckon? Are my arms outstretched with love and concern? Come to me. Enjoy this fruit. This is awesome. You will love this, or am, or am I guilty of, get over here now. This is good for you. You need this. I've been known to do it both ways. 
And I appreciate that this, the spirit taught me in a very powerful way, just through reading the definition of the word beckon, that it's an invitation. The savior always invites us. He never summons us to the tree. And so I was able to change my perspective on how, how do I beckon? Then I started thinking again, Lehi beckoned with a loud voice, inviting his family to the tree. And I've heard people say, well, this is permission for me to yell at my kids. And, and, so, and I know they said that in jest, but so I thought I'd look it up. So I thought I'd see what do the brethren have to say about that? So does beckoning with a loud voice mean shouting or yelling? And this is what I found as you study your Aaronic priesthood duties, this was done in a priesthood session, you will see a clear charge to invite others to reprint and improve. That does not mean we stand on a street corner shouting, repent ye. More often, and this is the part that I wanted to share for sure, it means that we repent, we forgive as we minister to others, we offer the hope and peace that repentance brings because we have experienced it ourselves. And that's by Douglas D. Holmes, first counselor in the Young Men General Presidency. Okay, does speaking with a loud voice mean I'm unashamed? And that was the first thing that I thought of. We have a few members of our family who have decided that they no longer want to be a part of the church. And Whenever we're having family gatherings, you know, our whole lives revolve around the church. And we felt sometimes like we had to tiptoe around the church when we were near them. And so I wanted to find out, well, what, what does the Lord have to say about that? And I found this scripture that helped me feel like, no, I don't need to tiptoe around what I believe and still be able to show love to that person who doesn't believe it. So let my heart be sound in the statutes that I be not ashamed. I don't need to worry about being who I am. And I am a, sorry, I am a believer. And I know that the Savior loves me. And I don't need to be ashamed to be a member of his church and to share my gratitude for what he's done for me so that's something that I really had to work on because I I was walking on eggshells a lot with members of our family who have chosen to leave okay so I worked I looked up the the word origin of the word loud so this is the origin the old English who I don't know if I'm saying that right, of West German, Germanic origin, related to Dutch, Lud, German, Lut, Lut, from an Indo-European root meaning fear. And it's also shared by the Greek cluing here. So my questions to myself, do I talk of Christ, rejoice in Christ, and preach of Christ that my children know where to turn? Are they hearing me through my example? So again, the spirit will teach you where to go with that. I felt like with my kids, the best way to reach all of them is hearing them through my example. That's, that's what the spirit taught me. Okay. I have to move my little icons again so I can get 17. And it came to pass that I was desirous that Laman and Lemuel should come and partake of the fruit also. Wherefore, I cast mine eyes toward the head of the river that perhaps I might see them. And it came to pass that I saw them, but they would not come unto me and partake of the fruit. Observation. And all of you in Mothers Who Know, we talk about this a lot. Lehi never left the tree. So my question, am I staying by the tree? By trying to rescue them, am I causing contention and losing the spirit? Is being an example 
and applying the atonement in my own life enough to help save my children. So I, I went and I found this, it's on the church website so you can get these quotes because they're amazing quotes. And this is from the prophet Joseph Smith. He never taught a more comforting doctrine that the eternal ceilings of faithful parents and the divine promises made to them for valiant service in the cause of truth would save not only themselves, but likewise their posterity. Though some of the sheep may wander, the eye of the shepherd is upon them, and sooner or later, they will feel the tentacles of divine providence reaching out after them and drawing them back to the fold. And I just had a little thought just now as I was reading this, but, you know, we're told to stay by the tree, but here's here's just a little insight. The eye of the shepherd is upon him, them, and sooner or later they will feel the tentacles of divine providence. It's the Savior's role to rescue them. We talk about that a lot, and that was just another little second witness that I just saw as we read that. Either in this life or the life to come, they will return. They will have to pay their debt to justice. They will suffer for their sins and may tread a thorny path. But if it leads them at last, like the penitent prodigal, to a loving and forgiving father's heart and home, the painful experience will not have been in vain. Pray for your careful and disobedient children. Hold on to them with your faith. Hope on, trust on, till you see the salvation of God. I love that quote. I have a couple more I want to share with you because this, to me, this is the most important reason that we stay by the tree. And this is from Brigham Young. Let the father and mother who are members of this church and kingdom take a righteous course and strive with all their might never to do a wrong, but to do good all their lives. If they have one child or 100 children, if they conduct themselves towards them as they should, binding them to the Lord by their faith and prayers, I care not where those children go. They are bound up to their parents by an everlasting tie, and no power of earth or hell, or hell <clears throat> can separate them from their parents in eternity. They will return again to the fountain from whence they spring. And this is from Lorenzo Snow. If you succeed in passing through these trials and afflictions and receive a resurrection, you will, by the power of the priesthood, work and labor as the Son of God has until you get all your sons and daughters in the path of exaltation and glory. This is just as sure as that the sun rose this morning over yonder mountains. Therefore, and I love this, mourn not because all your sons and daughters do not follow in the path that you have marked out to them or give heed to your counsels. Inasmuch as we succeed in securing eternal glory and stand as saviors and as kings and priests to our God, we will save our posterity. And this is from Boyd K. Packer. The measure of our success as parents will not rest solely on how our children turn out. That judgment would be just only if we could raise our families in a perfectly moral environment. And that now is not possible. It is not uncommon for responsible parents to lose one of their children for a time to influences over which they have no control. They agonize over rebellious sons or daughters. They are puzzled over why they are so helpless when they have tried so hard to do what they should. It is my conviction that those wicked influences one day will be overruled. We cannot overemphasize the value of temple marriage, the binding ties of sealing ordinance, and standards of worthiness required of them. When parents keep the covenants they have made at the altar of the temple, their children will be forever bound to them. And I love this from Elder Gong. Trusting his merits, mercy, and grace can free us from contention, anger, abuse, abandonment, unfairness, and the physical and mental challenges that sometimes come with a physical body in a mortal world. Happy and forever do not mean that every relationship will be happy and forever. But a thousand millennial years when Satan is bound 
may give us needed time and surprising ways to love, understand, and work things out as we prepare for eternity. And I absolutely love that quote because when I think about working with wayward children and think about the fact that Satan is bound and the Savior will be there to teach and help us bring our children back, that they're not going to, they're not going to um, turn away. They're going to turn toward the Savior. That Satan, our only enemy, our real enemy, won't be anywhere in that picture. And the Savior will be by our sides. And I, I just take such hope from that thought. Okay, verse 19. And I beheld a rod of iron, and it extended along the bank of the river and led to the tree by which I stood. So one of the observations that I had was that Lehi was first desirous for Laman and Lemuel, and then he saw the iron rod. So I think of this as, Heavenly Father, please tell me, what is the answer? How do I help my children come, come to the Savior, come to the tree? The iron rod represents the word of God. Studying the words of God in scripture, conference reports, etc., will bring us to the love of God. So for Lehi, that was the answer. So my question to myself, am I making myself aware of the answers God is giving me? Am I feeling the love of God? Why or why not? Are my scripture study habits nibbling or feasting? And again, these were things that the Lord was teaching me. I'm not trying to say, are you reading your scriptures? This is what the Lord was trying to teach me. <laughs> okay. And I also beheld a straight and narrow path, which came along by the rod of iron, even to the tree by which I stood. And it also led by the head of the fountain unto a large and spacious field, as if it had been a world. And I was really taken aback because I just got this insight as I was preparing for this class. And I was like, how could I never see that before? But this was my observation. Lisa saw another way to get to the tree, a straight and narrow path. I stuck on there being only one way. Am I open to different ways or paths that might lead to solutions? And I have definitely been guilty of thinking my way is the right way and that it's the only way. And I'm seeing as my children are parenting their children that they aren't doing it my way. And sometimes that's really hard as a grandparent because you think you need to be doing this, this, and this. They're going to get lost out there in that dreary wilderness. And anyway, I, I was grateful for the insight that I got and for the opportunity to teach this lesson today just for that one thing to help me to realize that my way isn't the only way, <laughs> that the Lord has provided other ways to, to help his children. Okay, 26. And I also cast my eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water, a great and spacious building, and it stood as it were in the air above the earth. So my observations, the great and spacious building is in the air. It has no foundation. People are mocking and pointing fingers. Okay, everything in the air that I see usually are planes and clouds. And so the thought came to me, is this social media? And then the thought came to me, am I watching what is happening with my family on social media? And I'll just tell you that I haven't been on Facebook hardly ever, but I see the value in seeing what's going on with my kids. So when I go on Facebook, it's mainly to see what's, what is holding my children's attention. What are they saying out in social media? Because that gives me a good idea about what they're thinking and what is going on in their lives because I didn't say this at the beginning of the broadcast but my children all live in a different state and none of them is Arizona with me none of us are together <laughs> so 
And so I don't really have a good handle on what's going on with them, but I have noticed that they, people are willing to say more on Facebook than they are to their mothers. So for me, that was important direction. Someone else might get direction that, hey, cut your kids off of Facebook. But for me, it was look at them, see what they're doing on social media. Okay, 30. But to be short in writing, behold, he saw other multiple multitudes pressing forward and they came and caught hold of the end of the iron rod, the rod of iron, and they did press their way forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron until they came forth, fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. And he also saw other multitudes feeling their way towards the great and spacious building. And it came to pass that many were drowned in the depths of the fountain, and many were lost from his view, wandering in strange roads. So again, I'm looking at this and how I can be a better parent. That's what my focus was. So this is what I observed. Pressing forward is hard. It takes work to get to the tree. So my question to myself, am I willing to press forward by putting in the work it takes? Will my children know by my example that it is worth all the work? And great was the multitude that entered into that strange building. And after they did enter into the building, they did point the finger at scorn at me and those that were partaking the fruit also of the fruit also, but we heeded them not. So my questions, my observations, Lehi and those who were partaking of the fruit were able to ignore those who were mock, mocking or judging our choices. So the questions to myself, am I able to heed not when people are questioning my choices, especially when they are the people who are supposed to love me? Does focusing on the Savior help me heed not? So personally, I have found that the more I reach out to the Savior and the more I partake of that fruit, which brings me such joy, the more I'm able to put the world aside and not worry what people think about me or the way I parent, the way I grandparent, or the way I am a caregiver to my husband. Number 37, verse 37, and I love this. And he did exhort them then with all the feeling of a tender parent that they would hearken to his words that perhaps the Lord would be merciful to them and not cast them off. Yea, my father did preach unto them. So my observation, Lehi was a tender, not angry, contentious, or bullying parent. Lehi invited them to hearken, just like Christ invites us. Lehi knew they were not going to partake, but he never stopped trying or gave up hope. How are my invitations to hearken? Am I guilty of giving up? So the questions that, you know, sometimes it's really hard to in this introspective work because sometimes you hear things that you go, mm, I need to improve on that. And hopefully sometimes you also hear things where the Savior will say um, through the Spirit, you know what, you're doing a good job. You do a really good job with this. And so I'm hoping that you are getting that validation as well as that prompting where you can improve in this lesson. <laughs> and after he had preached unto them and also prophesied unto them of many things, he bade them, bade them to keep the commandments of the Lord. And he did cease speaking unto them. And again, I love to find things from the brethren that will help me to remember when the Spirit's told me things and and one of the things that the spirit told me was you've taught them they know and now it's time for them to take their journey and so i was watching youtube the other day with my husband we have a practice in the morning because it's really difficult for him to read the scriptures we listen to conference talks and devotionals on youtube 
And one of the ones just that just came out was one. Oh, I guess I better first say this. Observations. Lehi bore his testimony. He issued the invitation to follow. He ceased speaking to them. So my questions, am I inviting or demanding? Do I speak so much and so often that walls go up and I don't leave space for learning and growth? Is it time for me to stop speaking? And like I said, the, the spirit let me know, it's time for me to stop speaking, at least to my children. As your children get older and you recognize that you have less and less control over what they do, they're influenced by friends and they, they become their own little people then many parents will tend to talk more and more and more and more with the understanding that, well, if I just say this enough times, they're going to get it. And it may be the case that the more times it gets said, the more it guarantees they don't, they don't get it. I'm not saying that parents don't direct and counsel, correct, all of those things. But it is remarkable to me, in doing this pattern with young people, let me describe one episode that I think is very characteristic. It will sound horribly rude, and I don't think it is. It was in the United States. I had been inviting questions from young people for almost an hour and a half. I then asked the adults, what have you learned from this pattern? And amidst the comments, one sister stood up and she said, Brother Bednar, your answers are really quite simple. They come from the scriptures. And frankly, we could give these answers to these young people if they would just ask us the questions. And one young man raised his hand. And this is the part that you're going to think was perhaps rude. He stood up and he said, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but we'd never ask the adults our questions because they don't listen. And it was just Okay, so sometimes we need to stop talking and start listening. And I'm so grateful that I was in a place where I could hear that talk from Elder Bednar because it was the perfect thing to share for this. I just want to tell you how grateful I am that I'm having this opportunity to share my testimony of how important staying by the tree is and how important it is that we open our hearts and our minds to being taught by the spirit. So I just want to put your nuggets that you were taught by the spirit into the chat and hopefully we can share those things. And then at the end, I'm going to share what what the Lord taught me through my exercise in going through chapter eight in first Nephi. Thank you so much, Kelly. I just feel like that's a, that's a walking witness of what president Nelson said that you mentioned earlier about the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus. I'm sure Kelly, that doesn't mean that you never ever have a moment or a minute where you feel a discouragement or fear or something like that, but just that overriding sense. Anyway, that was so beautiful. Yeah, I just loved, I, I was in and out. I had a couch delivered in the middle, but oh, I just loved Kelly. Your, the thing that really hit me was the way I beckon and how I feel joy and express joy and live joy of the gospel for my family. And I just really, that just really struck me so profoundly because we can shout with our actions, right? We can shout quietly, not saying a word with the enthusiasm that we feel for the gospel. And I really, that's really what hit me that I want to live the gospel and I want to shout love. I want to beckon with my arms out excitedly, happily, with all the love I have. And that just really, really touched me that you shared that because I feel like I can show up so differently in my life in every single role if I focus on just that. How am I beckoning? How am I sharing my testimony, right? Like I can share it sometimes without even talking if and in a very loud way by how I live. And so that just was so beautiful. And just the whole way you approach going to the scriptures with your theme that day 
what do I need this day, Heavenly Father? And that was just super inspiring. Thank you for all the things you have shared. It's been really, really inspiring for me. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Who else? We've got just a couple of minutes. I saw a couple in the chat. I think I'll go ahead and read that. She said, Lehi recognizes that even when his heart is heavy with worry, that there are parts of his life that bring him joy and that he can express gratitude for, similar to how it is often recommended to have a gratitude journal when expressing experiencing depression or difficult times in life. Our sad, hard things in life don't have to trickle down into every part of our life. Men are that they might have joy. Thanks so much for adding that. Let's see. Thank you. The things that popped up in my head are one of the things I tried to write notes, but I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> but when you talked about that Lehi was in a, a I, I don't remember the exact words, but in the darkened place, and then he was there for hours. What struck me was the way that it was worded. It could have been that you know, that he was dark. And I thought I, what came to me was how often, and then coupling, how often do we, because we're worried about our kids, because we're upset or concerned about what they're going through, do we go to that dark place? I know I'm very guilty of it. And then, and then stay there sometimes for hours because it can be hard to pull out of that space. And then coupling that with, with, President Nelson's quote that you gave, which talked about the, that, you know, we can be happy in dark places. It's all about our focus, you know, and I've, if we are focusing on the spirit, our covenants, those beautiful quotes, I would love a copy. I'd like a copy of all your slides, <laughs> but, but all those, those parenting quotes were amazing. I tried to do screenshots of or take pictures of all of them, but but you know, just to remember that we can be cheerful even when when we're in a dark space. And the sooner that we turn to the Lord, the, the quicker we can get out. But but also, as as I mentioned in the last call, sometimes we can be praying and begging and and yes, we can get that light, but it's so easy to go right back into that that dark place again because it's familiar or, you know, I always think of that Satan is happy to lead us by the nose or the flaxen cord or the hair or whatever he can drag us down with. Whereas, you know, Heavenly Father stands at the door and knocks and we have to go open the door. So we have to fight harder for the answers from God. And Satan is, and we know in the temple too, always ready. Here am I, you know, yeah, I'm the one you're praying to. I'm the one that you want. And, and it's, it's really scary how much Satan tries to jump in there when we need the Lord and want the Lord. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. I, I like the end where Kelly pointed out that last verse of that they did cease speaking unto them immediately. I thought of what Maurice tries to tell us, you know, like we can, we can give a word of counsel. We can, we can say something, but instead of giving the whole spiel, the whole speech, say say that little nugget say that little thing and then walk away so the spirit can do the teaching so i like i like that part and i was thinking like in verse 33 where it says we heeded them not and 37 to hearken just made me think of you know president nelson's plea to us all of us is to hear him to hear hear the lord hear what he has to say and that's kind of what we want our children to do we want them to hear what the Lord would have them say. We want them to hear, hear the, the spirit and make their decision based on that. So I think it, I think it goes along, along, along the lines with, we can say a little bit what we need to see speaking and let the spirit hopefully do its work. This is so beneficial. You can see why Karen loved this to be mothers who know, right? And not just one mom who knows it all. <laughs> so Kelly, love to have you go ahead and wrap up. Would any, I know you had some final thoughts. Love to hear before we wrap up. There we go. So well, I hope I can get this up. So <laughs> there we go. Can you see this? Am I, am I... So yep, when I went it. through this, you can? Okay. So when, when I went through this exercise of going through the scriptures with that thought in mind, how to be a better parent, and, and what's the best way to help my children find their way to the Savior, my 
takeaway from this experience for myself was to find him myself. That, that when I find the Savior, I can be all those things, example of where they'll see through me, where I find peace. And when they're in troubled waters, I can be the lower lights that can point them to Christ because they see my light. And I love this quote, just I want to end it on this because we're all wanting miracles with our families and our children. And I just want to testify that I have seen these kind of miracles happen as I've started doing this practice my power goals every morning and and doing these things that we teach here in life changing services and he says i plead with you to take charge of your testimony of jesus christ work for it own it care for it nurture it so that it will grow then watch for miracles to happen in your life and i just want to testify again that as we do that our children will make shifts they might not be huge shifts, but they will shift. They will be more open to you. And I've seen that happen to me just in the last four years, how things have shifted with my children as I've just tried to lean into love, like the first sister talked about when she shared her aha moments and, and beckon with love. And I just want to say that. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, Kelly. So beautiful. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers You Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms you can also go to the mothers you know website at mothers org or our parent company life changing services at life changing services.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones thank you so much for listening today Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.